Grammys. If you are a California listener, stop right now, stop whatever you are doing because we have the most exciting and special discount code for you. We are collaborating with Drew Martin to give you 10% off Drew Martin joints. Uh, you know how much we adore this company. They are 100% queer owned. Their joints are made with botanical blends such as rose, chamomile, lemon, ginger, and it just makes you feel like you are smoking such a light and joyous and uplifting joint. The marketing is so good. The branding is just stunning. So it's a great for a gift. You can smoke these by yourself and just feel so relaxed. You can smoke them with friends and feel social. It never gives you that sort of panicky feeling like a lot of joints do. We cannot recommend them enough. Go to drewmartin.co, use code RAM10 to get 10% off your order. Let us know what you think. Rammies, we have a very special announcement for you. Right Answers Mostly has teamed up with CPC Swimwear to create our own line of swimsuits. It has been a dream come true. We created five different swimsuits in collaboration with CPC, and we could not be more excited. One swimsuit even has a little special wink Uh, at Right Answers Mostly. We love a wink. These suits are the best. It's the only suits I've been wearing for the past six years. They're sustainable. They're locally made, and they just look so good on your body. I've never felt better in a swimsuit same but not only do we have a ram round of swimsuits we also have a discount code use code ram10 at checkout to receive 10 percent off any cpc swimsuits we cannot wait to see you in your cute little suits it's gonna be the best okay goodbye bye Hi, Rammies. Today, we are so excited to talk to Andrew Freeman. Andrew Freeman is the co-founder of our favorite joints, Drew Martin. Inspired by the radical resistance of queer people that fought for cannabis legalization, the 100% queer-owned company is committed to creating a more inclusive industry. In 2020, Drew Martin launched his line of pre-rolls in California, seeking to perfectly balance cannabis with natural botanicals. Drew Martin is distributed in dispensaries throughout the state. It is also one of the very few queer-owned companies in the cannabis industry. Please enjoy our episode with Andrew. Welcome back, Rammies. Another episode of Pride Month. What could be better? There's literally nothing at all. Except if we have a guest. That is true. We are here today with Andrew Freeman. Hello, hello. Hello, Hello. Andrew. How are you? So, um, I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. Tess, how are you? You know what? I'm just great, too. <laughs> We're all in a great space. Um, I just saw Andrew this past weekend at a party. Uh, yes. A Drew Martin party, which was super fun and very L.A. Yeah. Yeah. The L.A. pool party, except make it very queer, super inclusive. Uh, and everyone got a little high. Oh, my oh, gosh. Yeah. You're I calling got, to us. I got quite high. And I had one of the Olga Moscow or two of the Olga Moscow mules. Oh, What's yeah, that? Those were great. It's... um. I, I it's had to a miss. a new queer-owned vodka brand. Oh, love. That actually all the uh, the waters distilled from the Russian River. It's all wheat harvested in California. Oh, my God. Cool it was so brand. good. And yeah. it's named after his mom, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which we love. We love nothing more yeah. than that. One yes. One of the founders is Julian Morris, who's an actor. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, Julian. Oh, yeah. yeah amazing. Oh, that's so Pretty cool. Little Liars. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah, the party was great. It was so nice to see you. We went through 600 joints. Stop. Yeah. 600 per How hour. much were you responsible yeah. for, Jeff? <laughs> um, I think I had, let's see, I had one and my boyfriend had one. Yeah. But that's also the beauty about, y- y'all have heard us talk about Drew Martin 
on like every episode. Every episode because they're so great because they're so light. Mm -hmm. So it's like the perfect social joint. So I've talked about before that I started getting into weed in 2020 and I never was like a really big fan because I always felt like I was kind of out of control of my body and all that. And then 2020, it's like, well, what else are we going to do? Literally. And then (laughs) when you discover Drew Martin, it's like you're very much in control, but you still have that light, lovely high. Mm -hmm. Yes. I've been giving a lot of Drew Martin joints to people that are a little bit hesitant. Tent, and I'm like, sure. you know what? You're going to be fine. Like, just start with a few little puffs. Yep. yep. And then you'll feel confident, and then you'll want to finish the entire thing. Exactly. That's exactly why we created it, and exactly how we were thinking about it. You know, we felt that, frankly, you know, like weed's kind of gotten too strong. Like, it's yes, intense. it's really, really strong. When you know, I was talking to like Drew's dad, and he was telling me that like back when he was um, younger, they would buy like an ounce and like sit around and smoke it all day. Yeah. And then still just kind of be like kind of high. Yeah. You know, and that sounds like a lot of fun. Right. What doesn't sound like fun is getting like one joint, smoking two puffs of it, and having a heart attack. Oh, for no. sure. And no one wants to feel too high. No. That's that not the literally point. happened to me once where <laughs> yeah. it's like an infused, like pure THC oil, yes. or whatever. And I took it one hit and oh, that, like that I was pretty seasoned. Yeah. And yeah. like I was so glad that one of my best friends, because I was like, I looked at her, I was like, I know I'm not going to die, but I feel like I'm going <laughs> to yeah. die. Like, you have to tell me to my face yeah, that I, I'm I won't. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. So am I still alive? Yeah. Am I <laughs> melting yeah. right now? Always the double check. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. I I talk about this a lot with with some of my fellow fellow stoner friends of like yeah. back in high school. You know, it was just so different than what it is now for eighteen year olds that are starting to smoke weed. That like it's just so much more yeah. THC that exactly. I understand the like nervousness that people have now around like you know teenagers starting to smoke young because it's not what it used to be it's just so like unregulated and and when you have one of those bad experiences like that like it's kind of like okay nope that's actually not for me no thank you you have to like get back on the wagon immediately if you're going to keep doing it and there's a lot of and you know there's a lot of benefits that can come from using the plant you know if it's if you find a way to use it for yourself, if you find a way to incorporate it into your lifestyle. For sure. And that's what we were trying to do is give people another option, a way that they can incorporate it into their lifestyle that wasn't overpowering um, and that wasn't you know focused just on getting you as high as possible as quickly as possible. Right. And, and we love that. And we, yeah. we do love that. <laughs> and you all have done it. And I remember when I first walked into MedMen mm-hmm. and I saw your packaging is so beautiful that I was like it immediately I remember exactly where I was I was like what is this brand I've never seen this before it's gorgeous it's like has animals on it and like vibrant colors very floral and that's so much of you know why people buy a certain joint or edible is just based on the the packaging the marketing and you guys do that so beautifully and it's very unique so thank you so much we We are all about it we wanted to create something that was people felt comfortable again, incorporating into their lives something that you could leave on a coffee table, mm. not have to hide in a drawer right. or put something in that's something that you would be like, I want to show this off. Right. I want to show this cannabis product off. Yes. Put it on the bar cart, you know, like yes. so much of like your bar cart design. It's like, oh, this beautiful bottle, this brand that I identify with. We wanted to create something like that, like in the cannabis space that people could like share it, that it felt shareable with people's, you know, in people's most intimate spaces, their home. Oh, that's so smart of, yeah, not like trying to, 
you know, with the sort of taboo mm-hmm. element of weed, of like not just trying to like something, you know, your mom comes over and it's like, where can I put yeah. this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hide yep. it. Yeah. And there is such a stigma about it that is not like the most beautiful substance, but mm-hmm. it is the most beautiful substance. Oh, so yeah. it's an incredibly special and like gorgeous plant. It has been stigmatized. Yes. You know, it's part of a history of essentially racist propaganda yes. that has led to the plant being seen this way. When in reality, you're talking about just a one a plant that we know very little about mm-hmm. because of its because of its uh, status, you know, on the first tier of drugs. The same as it's classified by the federal government. The same as cocaine is. That is the crazy. Same as meth. <gasps> meth. That yeah, is crazy. That's how it's regulated as a Schedule One substance. Ridiculous. It's wild. Wild. You know. Um, but that's that's the history of a long of a long mm. set of policies yep. um, that have led to it being viewed like that. When in reality, you know, this is and especially, you know, we talk about places where it's grown, like here in California, where it grows like really beautifully and naturally. And there's an incredibly rich culture of people cultivating this plant here for a long time. And it's like we work with a with an incredible farmer. Her name is Tina Gordon. She's been in uh, Humboldt County growing for 17 years now on this beautiful piece of property. It wow. is like what a dream. four hours mm-hmm. like away from the closest town. Dirt roads oh, up wow. in the mountain. It's gorgeous. Have you been? I've, I haven't been yet. Drew spent a bunch of time. Well, call us when you go. Yeah, okay. yeah if you yeah. need a buddy. Yeah, we will a buddy. so <laughs> cool. And she grows everything regeneratively, meaning she's growing it with uh, alongside other wildflowers, other uh. vegetables, and things like that. Um, and she also grows everything on lunar cycles. So based on, you know, based on the, the status of the moon, she's cracking her seeds. She's planting them. She's harvesting. Um, can we get her number also? Yeah. I'd love to chat with her. What a dream job. Yeah, no is incredible. She's actually staying with Drew and I right now. Oh my she's gosh. at our house. Yeah. Oh, she sounds like a dream. She's, I mean, I'm sure it's so very cool. hard work too, but like that oh, is yeah. the... That is the Nancy Myers movie yeah, that, exactly. I, that I want to star in. <laughs> it's called Moon Made. It's called Moon Made Farms. Moon Made Farms. It's absolutely beautiful, and she actually has. Um, she sells her flower uh, as a product line as well. That's at MedMen. Oh, oh great! Well, we'll definitely be checking yeah, that out as well. Oh, that's so exciting! Yeah, I'll make sure to get you some. Yeah, oh, we'll thank love you. Nothing more, <laughs> we, we will take it. <laughs> well, we're so excited to chat with you and hear your history in the cannabis space mm-hmm. and being a gay man in the cannabis yeah. space. So. Just to start with the basics, where did you grow up? When did you start smoking weed? How did you get into all of it? I'm from Florida. Uh, I still remember the first time I ever smoked weed was on a, I was raised Jewish and I'm like in a, we were on a like youth group trip. Uh, it's always one of those trips, isn't <laughs> always it? Always a youth group trip. That's how you or get through it. Camp. You know, it's, like, yeah. it's either a youth group trip, summer camp. Oh, you must. Um, <laughs> and uh, my friend Mike brought some weed with him. Uh. And we got high for the first time. And then I had I smoked like all through high school um, and got really into like music festivals. Okay, yeah, of course. Uh, (laughs) That whole scene. Um, And then college as well. I went to school in New Orleans. Oh, fun. Uh, Where'd you go? I went to Tulane Uh, University. Beautiful. Beauty and brains. Yep, Tulane. And I love New Orleans crazily. I did move there. Two days before Hurricane Katrina. Oh my God! Oh shit! Wild timing. Yeah. So we didn't like. Re- I didn't go to school for the first semester, um, uh, but and then when I came back, I was just like really thrown into um, the redevelopment of the city and mm-hmm. wor- of, like working within uh, mostly like the education system after the storm uh, while going to school. 
which was really cool. Wow. Um, and I ended up staying in New Orleans for 13 years. Oh, my gosh. Which wow. is where I met Drew. Oh. Oh, how'd you meet? Yeah, how'd you meet? You know, Drew and I met uh, at well after a time either of us should have been out still. The best, the, uh, you know, best of stories. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, of course. Three in the morning at a bar. He was living in... Um, he was living in Nashville at the time. So Drew had spent probably a decade just kind of traveling the world. He was living in Brazil for a while. He was traveling through India. He lived in Hawaii. He was working on cannabis farms in uh, like Humboldt, Mendocino area. He then... It truly sounds like you're talking about made up people. No, I mean, like crazy. Luna Farr. It just keeps <laughs> like, getting better and better. I think it's crazy too. He's so he's like been doing all of this doing all of this stuff, kind of traveling the world. He ends up at a um off the grid queer commune in Tennessee. Oh in Tennessee. Like, yeah, wow. Off the grid queer commune in Tennessee. Um that's like an intentional queer egalitarian community. Um, uh, where Drew lived for a year. Um, And it was there where he actually met um, and started working under, you know, everyone in this community has kind of roles. You're not forced to do anything. There's not like a chore chart or anything, but people take on kind of roles within the community. Mm. And he started working underneath um, a woman who uh, um, came from a line of uh, Cherokee uh, healers. Wow. And started learning herbalism. So they would go and for- spend the days foraging plants, making medicine out of them. And that's where he got the kind of really into herbalism. Um, now, also, when he was there, he was living, like, in a goat barn. Like, on the, <laughs> I'm like, the other stuff like, sounds nice. I would yeah, like a real bed and, like, yes. a real room. Oh, and, like, a <laughs> flushing a shower, toilet, maybe. maybe. Oh, yeah. That's a must. Yeah. Yeah. A shower. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not much of a... No. <laughs> no. Campers, no. you could say. Listen. Me either. We need the glamping. That was Drew's story. That was Drew's story. Right. But we love that for him. Yes. We love love that for him. Yes. Um, so I I met him when he was uh, he was planning to move to New Orleans. One of his uh, he was thinking about moving to New Orleans, and then he went to a Reiki session, mm-hmm. and his Reiki healer was like, "Listen, I know I'm not like a psychic, but I think you're going to move to New Orleans." Oh wow! Just out of and nowhere. He, yeah. Oh, wow. interesting. I love when that stuff and happens. And he was like, "I am." And you were waiting so then he came for down, him. And then I was just waiting for him. Oh, that's so his sweet. Friend had, um, his friend had, it was it was <clears> like <throat> three in the morning. You know, bars don't close in New Orleans. No. It's like three in the morning and his friend, he was like, I, I see him from across the bar. I decide to go hit on him. And he was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm just waiting on my friend who's I'm supposed to be staying with tonight. I just got into town. Oh. And I was like, oh, who's your friend? Like, <laughs> Already <laughs> jealous. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, oh, it's, it's Brad. I was like, Brad who? He's like, Brad Doshbach. I was like, listen, I know Brad Doshbach. It's three in the morning. He's not coming. I've got a guest room. Why don't you come back to my place? <gasps> oh, we love the forwardness. I, know, I mean, totally the, confidence. Forward. Uh, the confidence. I'm like, sure. Yes, I'm there. Literally, what's your sign? I'm a Libra. Oh. My boyfriend's a Libra. Yeah. What's your moon and rising, if you don't mind me asking? I have no idea. Okay, well, we'll find out yeah. later. Well, yeah, we'll find yeah, out. We'll There's got to be some fire in there or something. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. We love the forward nature. We do. We do. Um, and then the rest is history. He moved to New Orleans, and then he eventually moved in with me. And at that point, he'd been starting to study more um, uh, herbalism from a more formal standpoint, studying Western herbalism. And we actually turned the front room of my house that fronted a major street into a uh, apothecary where he would wow. you know, work with plants and see patients. And wow. Oh, wow. What would people 
primarily be coming in for? So a lot of it was like regular, like a lot of pain, a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there were certain patients because Drew did, at this point, he'd already been working a lot with cannabis and working with it, you know, from living on the farm. So he was incorporating cannabis into this, um, which is not something there wasn't even a medical program at the time in Louisiana. So he was also actually working, you know, with... um, with patients that were going through cancer treatment, that were dealing with severe stomach issues like IBS and Crohn's and stuff like that, Um, as well as even some um, children with seizure disorders um, and things like that. Uh, And uh, at the time, I was for a long time working as a um, publicist um, in PR, and a couple of my clients became his client, you know, and we had this one uh, mutual friend who's like, guys, it's like going legal in California. What you're doing is so cool. Like, why don't you think about California? Like, going out there. Of course. And I don't know. I'd kind of been, like, reaching a point in my career where I was like, I needed to figure out what was next. Um, And Drew had been in New Orleans at that point for two years, which is probably the longest he'd been anywhere in a long time. (laughs) He's like such a nomad, you know? like Totally. So he was like, yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. (laughs) Did you come to L.A. first or did you go to San Francisco? We went straight. We came straight to L.A. Okay. And when he was doing the herbalist Uh in New Orleans, were you involved in any of the growing process as well or just kind of just watching all of it? In my house. That's amazing. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. (laughs) At this point, were you guys like, Let's work together on something. Or are you just like I have some clients? When or... our like when when our mutual friend said that and was like and we started thinking about what it would mean to try to like actually turn it into a company, um, because Drew was doing that, running the herbalism practice um, and the apothecary, but he was also um, working in uh, bars and restaurants at night. He was a um, mixologist at like really high level, like James Beard award-winning cocktail program. Oh my God, a great person to be in like, a relationship really, with. <laughs> Literally, like, really, like if you could pick really one. Cool yeah. Industry. Wow. He's doing really, really cool stuff. Um, and so it's like he was doing that, you know, and so we we're all trying to figure out like what we wanted to do and what it would look like for us to work together. Yeah. Um, and then we decided to just make the leap and kind of moved to LA almost sight unseen. We didn't wow. really have like a big network. Well, here. sometimes that's for the best for us. Yeah, you just know, jumping yeah, <laughs> just so you just do don't it. overanalyze it. You're like, let's yeah. just go live out the dream. Yeah. And and my job allowed me to like work remotely for a while and oh, do that. So it was also we had like a little bit of a at least like landing pad. It wasn't like you know, I was able to still work. Right, right, which is <laughs> nice while, to have. While we, while we were figuring things a out. A little cushion. Yeah, yeah a little always cushion. good. Absolutely. So when was kind of the start of of Drew Martin as, as a brand? So we came out here and really pretty quickly um, we met, we started like making connections within the industry. Um, our Honestly, our third week here is when we met uh, our who our co-founder is now, Nick. Wow. Um, just beautiful like got connected via mutual friends and um hit it off in such a huge way and became not only you know in this business together but we're best friends and the best it's the best thing it's so much fun it really is people always are like how do you have a business with your best friend and you're like how do you not yeah truly i can't imagine it's great you know i was talking to someone the other day who also runs a business who runs a business with his partner and he said i call it being all in on life 
Oh, I, I love that. that. I love that, that too. It's so good. Yeah, I think there is this perception that it's like it's harder if it's mm-hmm. with your partner, with your friend, and it's like. I mean, have you experienced any of that, or do you think it's you, you know, know? There's obviously challenges with yeah. it. It's, it's a whole you know mix because you lose a little bit of the separation piece. Mm. You lose the piece where you're like you know when you go home to your boyfriend or whatever. Like, if something was bad at work, like you can kind of leave it there. Totally. And it's kind of hard if you've both gone through the bad thing at work. Together, a partner is you know? different than even working with a best friend. That's oh, yeah, like adds sure. a whole other layer. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Then, but then even with your best friend, it's like oh cool. We're all we're gonna go to this party this weekend, but we actually had a really awful like something at right. work. Right. Yep. It complicates it slightly. It complicates totally. it a little, but also you get these higher highs that are really fun too, where you're I like mean, yes. celebrating something with your closest, and you're when you the 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 feeling of building something with with someone that you already have a close personal relationship with is really special. That's amazing. Yeah, the wins must just feel so amazing to both of you. Yeah, it makes everything really, really fun. Yeah. Yeah. So when you started and you're kind of like getting momentum, Mm -hmm. what sort of, like, were you like, oh, this is going to be hard to break into. We don't, like, we're seeing some challenges. We're expecting some obstacles. Like, what was... Just real quick, was this recreational at this point when you guys are in California? we moved here in 2018. Okay, okay, okay. Just, it had, I think, January 1, 2018 was when the recreational program, like, officially started. Okay, so you're like, time to party. Time to party. Mm -hmm. So, but yes, with yours. Yeah. Struggles of that. Yeah, was it, you know, what were the sort of obstacles... I mean, there were obstacles that were both, you know, um, like business obstacles, specifically like the cost of getting a cannabis business up and running with the level of regulation is beyond. It I was can't even imagine. so crazy. And it, trying to figure out, you know, how do we do that? How do we fund something like that in a sustainable way? Um, how do we, you know, do it smartly? Yep. Uh, was all... You know, that it, it just kind of threw, it forced us to create a business plan for something that was different than, say, if we were like, oh, we just want to create a t-shirt brand. We can sell them online. We can do this. Da, da, da. It's super easy. This is like the amount of the amount of red tape that you have to go through in order to start a cannabis business. And it's also wild. so new. Like, people have been creating yeah, t-shirt so. lines forever. But, like, sure. this is very new. This and a lot new. of steps. Yeah. A lot, a lot of steps. So that was that was certainly difficult. And then, of course, from the more cultural side, what we were really interested in, and it's something we touched in on already, was just that how do we create a product and how do we create a brand that is actively breaking down stigma, mm-hmm. you know, which is also just a whole different, you know, approach yep. to, to things. And then at that point, we're not only just making a cannabis brand, we're making a cannabis brand that some people aren't going to like. You know, right. that people entrenched in the industry uh, aren't going to like as much yeah. and that we may face some pushback there. So we're looking at, you know, how do we find like-minded people within the industry to build with and to build alongside and to work together. Um, it was it was a complicated process. And I'd say we moved here in 2018 and started working on it immediately. We launched, we were ready to launch right in April of 2020. Oh my God. Thank God you did. Which was, yeah, thank yes, God. thank God we did. But also, you know, we had just, you know, we just finished a photo shoot that was completely all about the joints being a social joint. Oh, <gasps> God damn it. <laughs> of course. All, it was all like people. Down. You're like, share it, like, kiss. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And that's what the whole photo shoot. I mean, we just had like a yep. mountain of assets of uh, oh. 
you know, God damn it. beautiful girls and boys like sharing joints at a party. Totally. Uh, and then it's April 2020 stop. when we're launching. <laughs> well, thankfully, people were probably like, we don't care. We'll just take yeah, anything yeah, we can get our they, hands on. We were so, so lonely, so sad. Which is super so fair, <laughs> but we just had to like scrap all of that. Uh, scrap all, the, you know, of course, it was all dinner parties and stuff like that. And that's right. When, when Drew and Nick and I were developing our friendship, the way that we kind of started because we were all interested in the cannabis industry was uh with dinner parties mm. and nick is a chef um he's a trained chef he worked at jean georges in new york he went to the culinary institute um and we need to hang out with you guys yeah <laughs> not to invite us to everything we do yeah. puck here and so he's a he's a trained chef and um also a, a sommelier Wow. Perfect. And Drew, of course, has the whole cocktail side and with the joints. So Nick would set, they would set a menu. Drew would do a cocktail pairing. Nick would do the wine pairings. And then there'd be a joint paired to each course. Oh, like, gorgeous. Right now. We need to start doing that. I and know. We started, and we started hosting these dinners. And that was like our, how we, that's how we really built our friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and how we kind of built the comfortability with each other to like, let's go into business together. For sure. Um, and... When we were launching the company in in 2020, we were like, oh, yeah, let's do dinner. We're going to do dinner parties. We're going to find chefs, though, and we're going to do this whole – but it's going to be the same concept. Uh, You know, these beautiful dinner parties, small, intimate things. We're just going to do a bunch of them. And, of course, all of that had to get scrapped, too. We just had to (laughs) throw all of it away. To be an entrepreneur in a pandemic. In the pandemic. We ended up actually, though, pivoting and doing a really cool thing that we – we called them salons virtual salons the LA Times actually wrote a really nice write-up piece on this uh-huh. that we did but um what we would do and this is like right at the this is really April of 2020 we made these boxes that had a cocktail uh, the pack of joints a cocktail paired to one of the joints and a dessert paired to one of the joints and then we would uh find a host like a producer or influencer or something like that and have them invite 10 people and we would hand deliver these boxes that had this like the fresh cocktail, all of this, and then we'd get everybody on Zoom that evening at like seven o'clock, and everyone would we would do a little pairing, walk them through a pairing. Everyone would smoke the joint together, and this is like really early pandemic. That's community. Was like really, yeah, that's so wow. nice. What what kind of desserts did, would be in there? Oh my gosh, they were they were actually like so gorgeous. We did one that was like a rose, uh, like a filled ganache that was like a rose or filled chocolate, like a ganache filled chocolate. One that was a uh, that that one with the rose petal peppermint. Oh yes, there was a, love that oh, one. We know. We know there was well. like a really beautiful like ginger chew. Um, like a patafui, like a ginger patafui. Yeah, the, the ginger lemongrass yeah, is my ginger. favorite. I know, I love it's that's so that's good. Drew's favorite. That's oh, Drew's favorite it's one. It's so good, and it's like my stomach's feeling a little bit off, and the like yeah. sometimes on like, like a Sunday right morning, up. I'm like, it's let's perfect. just like it like eases everything, yeah, just settles settles the tummy. That's what's really cool about the introduction of the botanicals as you know, complementary to the cannabis. Yeah. So how did you decide on all of those botanicals yeah, because they're so interesting? Explaining what how that sets you your joints apart from totally. others who might not know about it. So, yes. uh, you know, the our joints are really kind of like, we talk about them like spliffs, you know, in a lot of the world, and, you know, Drew spent a lot of time traveling, people mostly roll tobacco and hash together mm-hmm. is like the primary way. That Reminds people, me of college. It's the way that people <laughs> mostly like, like a lot of people enjoy cannabis throughout the world, throughout the Middle East, throughout Europe, yep. like that. Totally. It's very um, harsh. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Harsh for the lungs. Heavy. Yeah. Hash and tobacco. Yeah. Um, and 
we make spliffs, but they're cannabis. And instead of with tobacco, it's with these complementary um, all organic botanicals. And the idea behind them is that we're complementing both the flavor profile, which is where, um, you know, Drew's mixology background comes in, but also not just flavor, but function, which is where the herbalism side comes in. So Drew is looking at starting with the, uh, the plant, starting with the cannabis plant and with the particular cultivars that we're working with. All kind of all plants, not just cannabis, have these um, chemical constituents called terpenes that are the ones that are really influencing that what that nose, the, the, what you smell when you're smelling cannabis. But they're not just in cannabis. It's like the limonene that is really high in, the, in, most, in a lot of sativa strains is the same thing that gives a lemon its smell. You know, it's like the same chemical. This is the science I can get behind. Super interesting. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it is super interesting. And so Drew is looking at the, the terpene profile of the cannabis flower that we're working with and then how it could be complemented by the terpenes that are in these botanicals as well. Kind of like imagine like making a cocktail. Like it's like how it's starting with a base spirit and then looking at what can be incorporated to kind of really focus on that sensation uh, the mouthfeel, mm-hmm. the flavor. And it's so nice when you're done smoking it. Like, you can just, like, feel it on your lips. It mm-hmm. feels so refreshing other than, you know, compared to other joints. And it doesn't stink. Exactly. Oh, it's beautiful. And, like, your, really like nice. your house doesn't smell after. <laughs> exactly. You can, like, keep all the windows it's closed. So nice. And it's like, oh, it just, like, lit a candle. Yeah. Yes, truly. Yeah, like an incense. It's yes. so cool. It um, is so cool. And then the other side, of course, is, like, that that functional side. So when we're looking at working with, a uh, with like, a sativa strain, you know, when true wanted to pair that with ginger, lemon balm, and damiana. You're already talking about an energizing cultivar selection. And then when you pair that with ginger, which is super uplifting and energizing, damiana, which is also like an aphrodisiac. Oh, inter- um, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, or on the on the flip side of that, when we're working with an indica strain that is, you know, maybe has a, a more intense body feeling, complementing that with the aromatherapeutic benefits of lavender, that's a super relaxing yes. feeling. And it heightens what that what the just effect of the cannabis would be to also have that that botanical complement to it. So that's what it really comes down to like how how do we build how did how does Drew look at building these for the flavor element and the function? So cool. There's just so much thought into it. It makes me like even more excited to be smoking your yeah. joints because it's not <laughs> only like, oh, I'm getting high. It like truly feels like there's so many benefits and it's so mm-hmm. well thought out. There's and... a lot of intention. Yeah. You know, they're, they were definitely crafted um, and conceptualized with a lot of intention behind them. Yeah. And for our listeners that might not know the difference, and I'm actually kind of curious too, because I know like indica versus sativa. Mm-hmm. Indica is like a little bit more relaxing and sativa mm-hmm. is a little bit more uplifting. Like what's the actual like scientific, like how are they so different? So that's a great question. The, you know, essentially what we're talking about here is like different like breeding and leaf shapes essentially mm. that have created these classifications that aren't necessarily um, realistic at this point. These are classifications that are widely accepted nomenclature now to describe essentially a a suite of different um, characteristics of the plant from, you know, size, leaf shape, uh, time to maturity, uh, as well as their the classic terpene profiles, smells, and effects that accompany those. Um, you know, 
theoretically, I would say we're not even very, and when we originally launched the brand, we didn't talk about Sativa versus Indica versus anything Yeah. when we first brought the brand to market because we were like, oh, we don't necessarily believe in it that much. Mm. We don't like it. Unfortunately, like that's Mm. where the market is and it's where the consumer is and it's where the stores are at. Interesting. Um, So we needed to end up bringing much more of that language into the brand and we did a rebrand about a year ago that like that brought a lot more of that into it. So it's a little bit more for marketing? It's definitely a marketing. It's definitely, these are definitely marketing pieces. Do you think it helps people like be able to identify and kind of know like an experience that they're going to have more? It's it's almost like like shorthand, like, you know, for, it's it's a complicated plant with a lot of constituents that like we were talking about hasn't been studied that much you know the the effects of terpenes and this and that like and in the end we're not like the goal isn't to i don't think make every consumer like a fucking terpene scientist <laughs> yeah, right. you know like no one needs to know that right everyone's like let me just smoke the damn thing mm-hmm. let me yeah. just smoke the damn thing how do we get we, we like to have a little bit of education but yes. in the end it's like okay generally is this terpene profile and the and the way that this plant has grown and and where it come and it's and it's a genealogical lineage uh conducive to this type of effect for sure and and we try to steer away a little bit from promising effects and more towards what we say on our packaging is like this is the intention associated with the product which is more about you as the consumer as the user of the product putting yourself in a mind space that's complementary to what the constituents of the plants can can offer i think that's it because i truly think with any drug especially with weed what you go in with Mm -hmm. is what experience you're gonna get absolutely and everyone's body is so different like how that a sativa may react to me could be so totally different than how claire reacts to it it's just like there were there's like products on the market where it's like oh if you buy this one it's for arouse and this one is for pleasure and it's like what? <laughs> I remember like what eating the- an edible in college that was like, this is supposed to like make you super horny. And I was like, what? Yeah. And I was like, How I'm not feeling tell anything. That right. And it's also, it's like cannabis affects people differently. Everybody's endocannabinoid system is different. And it's like, for me, like, you know, when we were talking about getting too high, like edible, I like don't love edibles highs. And when I do journey. take edibles, like a can or something like that, faster onset, 2.5 milligrams. A can or two over a period of time is like definitely my preferred mode. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can't go over, I've never taken over a five milligram. Yeah, for that's an so edible. crazy to me that you've never taken over I'm five. I'm so sensitive with yeah. an edible, but I can smoke a joint like and be, so and be totally fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, an edible, I just have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. The way that, and like personally, the way that I like use cannabis outside of like, you know, sleep and stuff, Drew Drew has like a joint every night before bed. Love, You know, that's one of our indica lavender joints. Mm. Um, But when, for the most part, for me, it's about like making healthier choices around mostly alcohol consumption. Yeah. So it's like, how can I stop, like, okay, maybe let's not at the dinner party, open a second glass of a bottle of wine, like, let's pass a joint around. I feel the exact same way. It's such a nice option to have where you're like, do I want to be hungover? Do I want to have a headache tomorrow? And it's like, weed does not have those, it's not going to happen to you. You're going to feel great in the morning. Drew actually is really, Drew has a great line about this where, like, um, uh, alcohol is an intoxicant. The reason that you feel like that your that your psychoactive state changes is because you're being poisoned essentially <laughs> yeah like that Truly. is a release this of is, toxins this is right. true yeah in your from your liver um cannabis is not an intoxicant cannabis is an inebriant mm. 
the actual like mm. the effect of the plant is that it has a psychoactive change right. <laughs> to that right. it changes your psychoactive state. It is not a byproduct of it poisoning you. <laughs> right. And every reactant of, of like I would feel like mind opening instead mm-hmm. of like mind closing, closing where you black out and you don't remember yeah. anything. You know? Well alcohol is very much that like uh what did I say? You know when you wake up in the right. morning, what did I do? Who did I offend? Like you get that anxiety. And I think right now too we're seeing such such a movement in like Ooh, should we be drinking as much as we are? Yeah, what other be conscious about exactly? It. Right. What else can we do? And listen, Drew's, Drew loves alcohol. Oh, we, for sure. And, and like we both do. Like we are, and you know, and Drew really talks about too. Like alcohol comes from plants as well. Yeah, right. you know, just because it's an intoxicant, it still comes from plants, and it's still coming from you know, it's still another expression of the kind of magic of plants. Yeah, which is what Drew's really all about harnessing. Um, so we, he loves it, especially like loves mezcal, like oh, really into Same. agave spirits. Mm, so good. We actually went to Oaxaca a couple years ago and did like a full, uh, like went to all these different, uh, um, producers of mezcal, like out like in distilleries, the, all these distilleries, oh, cool. but it's like a very like rudimentary ones. Like you're uh. talking about like, you know, they're out in Oaxaca doing it like with, by hand. That's in incredible. A, in like a copper still. Wow. Or in a clay still. That like is incredible. Wild. Do you wild. think you'd ever go into liquor? I mean, no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. We're kind of do we're kind of really into the uh, into the weed business. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. What has been your experience as a queer man in the cannabis industry? So, I mean, the the same type of like stigma that we're talking about breaking like the cannabis industry and probably what you think of as a cannabis consumer is like straight white dudes. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know? And that's what the whole industry like really feels like. Yeah. Um, and coming in as a queer person is definitely not necessarily a really, uh, it hasn't been like a comfortable experience. Oh, I, I bet not. We've definitely like found allies throughout the space. And I wouldn't say that we've ever like been in a situation where we faced outright hostility. Um, but you know, it's just one of those things where it's like the vibe is, you know, certainly uh not queer and this is despite a very queer history Mm -hmm. of cannabis legalization this is how it always goes right you know like we started it (laughs) yeah do you mind expanding on that a little bit because i actually don't think i know that much for sure and this really goes back to this comes back to i mean california has been leading the way in cannabis legalization for for you know since the beginning Mm -hmm. and it goes back to san francisco the first cannabis um the first piece of cannabis decriminalization legalization uh uh legislation was uh ending up being passed by harvey milk um yes weeks before he was assassinated wow um but behind the scenes of that was a man named dennis perone who was a, a cannabis advocate uh, he was a cannabis dealer uh, in San Francisco and a political activist um, who was pushing for it. Now, this then dovetailed directly with the AIDS crisis. Mm. Then we go into the into the 80s and in San Francisco and New York specifically were just like the epicenters of the right. AIDS crisis. Yeah. And no one knew what was happening, you know, an incredibly scary time. And it's also during the Reagan administration not helping at all who wouldn't help and was simultaneously running uh you know just say no campaign yeah, about, like that about drugs as well do anything um meanwhile cannabis was really one of the only palliative measures that was effective um in treating 
patients that were dealing with the side effects of the AIDS. Oh, interesting. So, you know, it was just an incredible pain reliever. Yeah. It allowed people to eat the same way that it helps people with cancer, that that it was a a, a palliative treatment um, for a group of people that did not have any other options. Mm -hmm. And Dennis Perone's partner um, actually became sick with, uh, with AIDS and died. Um, not after being like, you know, not after having their house swatted, you know, police oh raid over, over cannabis. It led Dennis Prone to start the first Cannabis Buyers Club, you know, like that whole movie where, you know, trying to treat patients. Yep. Um, working with, there was an incredible woman named Brownie Mary who would sell, uh, you know, uh, cannabis brownies. Um, that. And she would like go in and like work in the hospital and stuff like that. And so she was arrested like four times. Wow, would she like slit people this? brownies? Yeah. Did wow. she, was that kind of the start of like the weed brownie cookie sort of That's, thing? I mean, it existed before. Yeah, yeah. But, but like Brownie Mary was the one who- She popularized it. And she like, put it on the map. And like really became an activist for, for thank, these patients God that for were her. dealing with it. Wow. Um, and then Dennis Perone ended up being, you know, the author of the, of the um, medical bill that allowed for medical cannabis in, in California that then led to, of course, recreational use. Amazing. So you're talking about like a, a community that led this fight. Um, and there's very few people in the cannabis industry now that are representative of that history. Yeah. Um, and, you know. We're we're some, and we're lucky to be here. Um, but it's it's pretty rare. We're also lucky that yeah. you guys are here. <laughs> we really we're, are we're very lucky for yes. that. And I had no idea about all of that. How do you think like the stereotype of like the white stoner dudes like started? Was that from like movies and media? Like why was that always such the That's a great center question. of it? Definitely movies and media because that would be. I mean, you know, uh, frankly, just like white men have been in the front of movies and media. Of, of course, yeah. Like, yeah. No, yeah. No, no, just, no one else had a chance. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's just kind of like they get to be everything. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I that it's an interesting question and one that I. I don't know. I, yeah. can't, I actually can't even vent. But also know. it's probably like white men are typically making legislation. So it's like if sure. they're doing something that mm-hmm. all of a sudden they decide isn't bad for them and that they, mm-hmm. they can profit off of, then they'll be at the forefront. And but they keep it, everyone it, it, else oh, behind yeah. it. Of course. Oh my gosh. And, that's the, and that's been now the story of the larger question of legalization across the country and how it's between, you know, like John Boehner on the board of one of these large multi-state operators it's all it's all quite cynical right. and um yep. and uh gross but we're all for increasing access to the plant and yes. increasing you know there's still you know Drew still talks with some of his patients that are now in like Georgia and Alabama mm. and stuff like that um, who it's like they still don't have any access yeah. to the plant. They still don't have any. And we take it for kind of granted now. It's like I know if cannabis was something that helped that really helps you, like you could just go to pretty much the store. Oh, I can walk to three different stores <laughs> right. from my oh, house. Oh, for sure. And I don't really also right. remember a time when I couldn't. Like right. I was trying to think about this the other day. And I was like, did You're I used from to California. have a yeah. yeah. <laughs> I grew up in San Francisco. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, what did I use? To, how did I used to get it? I was like, yeah. I think I had a number. I was yeah. Like, yeah. Well, like, we had to use a number when we when we went to Texas not that mm-hmm. long ago. It's so crazy. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> you like called up a drug dealer. Yes. Well, listen, I mean, it is still the major almost the majority of sales in California are still uh, on the illicit market. That's crazy. Despite the amount of access that we have, because frankly, we're, I mean, you're talking about San Francisco. We now we all live here in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. but three quarters of municipalities throughout the state of California have outright bans on cannabis businesses. So you're talking about many, many, many places that are not even being 
able to be served by dispensaries. I had no idea. Because they're local, because, because of the way that the legislation works here, it in order to get a state license to do anything with cannabis, you need to also have um, a license from the municipality that you're working with. And municipalities have an option whether to allow cannabis businesses or not. Wow. Wow. Gosh, I mean, we just really live in a little bubble. I yeah, know. Whatever I do. hear about these yeah, I'm like, we're very lucky. <laughs> we are. Um, and this is actually a question Claire and I were talking about, about advertising with weed. Oh, my gosh. Like, how does one, like, are there very strict regulations with yeah. what you can put on your social media, What, how you can... Yeah. Uh, collaborate with other companies. Yeah, there's a there's a strict regulation across everything. I would say that the most probably the the biggest hurdle has been the um, you were gated off from using any of uh, Facebook's uh, marketing platforms. So we can't do like Instagram. We can't boost Instagram posts or do Instagram ads mm. or do anything like that. We can't do it. We can't do it on Facebook. Uh, Twitter just two months ago started opening up to cannabis companies to be able to advertise. Pretty much the only paid routes that have been available have been, you know, outdoor advertising, which also, as of about a year ago, changed to like certain, if a highway connects (laughs) to out of the state, oh. you can no longer advertise on that highway. Oh my gosh. But you see alcohol so advertisements like, like Theoretically, in front of... you couldn't advertise on like the like Santa Monica Boulevard. Um, That's crazy. It's, it's wild. It's insane. So you can't do that. You can't on on Instagram and stuff, you can't talk about anything. You just have to be like roundabout with whatever you're discussing. And we right. talked about on TikTok and as well. TikTok, you yes. Can't, you can't do We it. have tried. We have tried. <laughs> We've tried to make some montages because we smoke a lot, yeah, a lot. On, yeah. on the podcast. That was kind of the start of the whole thing is let's get high, let's get, yeah, high, let's get a cocktail and chat. <laughs> And yeah, we've just been shut down. Yeah, it's uh, it is it is absolutely unfriendly, and that's you know, and that's because the federal government still treats this like it is heroin. Yep. In the eyes of the federal government, in the eyes of the Department of Justice, and any of these large um, media platforms that also, to some extent, are you know have contentious relationships with the government wouldn't want to give them any reason to come after them. You right. Know? If they started taking money from cannabis companies, theoretically that could be open them up to action from, you know, the IRS or the Department of Justice or whichever. <sighs> you know, we actually still as a business there's a really interesting thing for cannabis businesses. It's awful. It's called two eighty E, um, which is a tax code that says that we are not allowed to deduct business expenses. So we can't Right off payroll. That's we our favorite thing. That is right our favorite thing. We say that with like everything. Right off, right right off. Off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are not able to write off any business expenses what? except for, and this is the funny part, except for the weed. What? So we can we can write off our our Your cost actual... of goods sold, the actual like weed oh, that we God. buy to put into the product. We can write that off, but that's it. Well, we that's also very out. intentional by them. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. So we're you know you're just kind of. Um, screwed across the board um, in in the industry right now. But there's there's a group of people, you know, there's even a, um, a group that we were talking to recently, it's like the Cannabis Media Council, that is trying to kind of create a set of guidelines for cannabis companies and media companies mm. to make it so like that everyone feels comfortable advertising right. cannabis. Like, yeah, like let's work if together. If we all do it this way, if we all follow these guidelines together, then 
we're going to bring on partners like Hearst and Condé Nast mm. and stuff like that. And if you're working with us, you can kind of get onto these platforms because you're vetted because you're following this set of standards. Right. Well, hey, meet in the middle. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, we're all on the same team. Yeah. Everyone yeah. wants to get high and everyone wants to get paid. Yeah, right. exactly. Everyone- <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's true. It. That's, a- <laughs> That's a t-shirt. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Good God. Well, um, we have a little, we have a little game we do. Before, before our time is up that we, um, that we've created Love for it. you. Yes. It's a little this or that. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to ask you a final question after we're done with okay. this yes. or that. You want to take it away, Tess? Shall we begin? Yes. Okay, well, I know we were just talking about this, but sativa or indica, if you had to choose, if it was real. Yeah, if, if it was real. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. now I don't believe it. Yeah. With that, uh, sativas. Okay. Same. Same. Same? Um, bowl or bong? Bowl. bowl. I actually remember at summer camp, I made a bowl, but I had to, like, disguise it. Oh, what'd you, you know, make it out of? It was, like, well, it was, like, clay. Uh-huh. It was, like, in the clay studio. Oh, but you had to make it, oh, I had God, to make it look like not a bowl. <laughs> so I made, like, a lizard with, like, a really big lip and, like, big eyes. For I hope the you card. still have that. I know, I'm like, please that, sell that. I do. It's at my, it's at my parent, my parents still have it. Oh, that's Manufacture it. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah it'd be like a little holiday. Holiday gift. my I love that. It weighs like a full pound. Uh, do you, um, <laughs> have you ever gotten like way too high high off of a bong rip? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it, I, have, do you smoke weed if you have not? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I just, I haven't done it for a long time. I don't I know if either. I can go back. Yeah. A, like a Very scary. bong. Oh. We used to Where your body's just like, yeah. what did you just do <laughs> to <know>. me? <laughs> scary. <laughs> scary. I also love a bowl. Yeah. Yeah. I why not? Bowl. It takes me back. Yeah. yeah. We smoke, like my boyfriend and I smoke a bowl maybe like once a week. Mm-hmm. I, mean, yeah. I, I don't even think I have one. I'm a joint girly. Yeah. We actually just got these real, there's this incredible company that's based out of Paris that creates these beautiful design objects. I'm going to have to like send you a picture of this. And, and the name of them, but they make this beautiful like little ceramic pipe oh. that is like so nice. Love we that. have it like displayed on our. Uh, I know she's so beautiful right and like such a, just like art. Yeah. I agree. There can be ugly ones though too. Yeah, they sure <laughs> this can. is true. Like anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, edible or joint? Mm. Of course. Joints. Joints. Same. Yeah, same. Joints. Joints forever. Yeah. Um, when you have the munchies, sweet or salty? Oh, salty. Uh, all, uh, like, almost all the time. I'm a big savory snack person. I, I am as well. Yeah. God, I'm like, give me both. Yeah. Like, I need to yeah. switch <laughs> off. Like, a little, oh, yeah. um, like, sweet and salty. I love. Oh, like, uh, kettle corn. Yes. With some, like, oh, yeah. like, pretzels. Or, like, sort of an thing. ice cream with pretzel yes, situation. I love that. Oh, love you know, that. Drew actually doesn't like sweets, like, at all. <gasps> I don't know what that's like. Except for ice cream. I don't know what it's like either. Like, I do like to Except for ice cream. He so loves ice cream. That used to be me up yeah. until two years ago. And something <laughs> in my body switched. I used to not be a sweet person either. And then... And now you are. I just love Can't it. Can't go back. I, oh, yeah. I just love ice cream. I just had... Truly. They're not in here anymore, but on the way over here, I ate two of these, like, you know, C's. The can- yes, oh, of, of course. course. Okay, they have these, like, peppermint... Like they're like peppermint patties, but they're hard. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I love C's candy. They're oh, so good. Oh my gosh, Nick's, they're Nick's so mom good. had like a big display of them at her house, uh, and I like grabbed a handful of them, and I, I ate two of them on the way here. Uh, as I you should. Them. As yeah. you should. Uh. Gorgeous. Um, when you're high, do you want to watch a funny movie or a thought-provoking documentary? Oh, funny movies always. Mm. Yeah, Same. funny movies, sitcoms, something old. Yes, like a comfort show. Well. Yeah, like definitely a comfort movie or something like that. Though, actually, I also do like to watch scary movies. Oh, when you're high, when I'm high. Andrew. Okay, wow, you're really you're going for it. <laughs> I know. It's like I re- yeah, I, li- yeah. <laughs> I really like to commit to the bit. Yes, you know? yes, of course. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. Oh, yes. Um, and then, would you prefer to lay in bed all afternoon or go on an adventure when you're high? Oh, in bed. I don't like to be in public. Mm, uh, I don't like going in public See, high. That's a private A thing high walk yeah. is my favorite thing. Yes, as long as you're not, world. as long as I'm not talking, having to like, interact in. with anyone. Headphones in. Sunglasses on, hat on yeah. sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> and just like take in, like every flower is brighter. It's just beautiful. Like yeah. a good soundtrack. Do, yes. Okay, I will say this. One thing that we do like to do is like, I don't like to get high and then go do this, but when we go on long, Drew and I love to hike. We love to go on uh, long hikes. Uh, um, and when we're hiking, like normally we will like smoke a joint when we get to like the top. Oh, that's so nice. And then you have, and then it like changes your whole like second half of the hike. It really, yes. Yeah. Being in nature as long as I'm with people. Yeah. But I, yes, but that otherwise I feel we're in bed. We're watching Housewives. We're yeah. not talking. Oh, and, <laughs> we, de- we definitely <laughs> yeah. are. We, <laughs> we are scrolling. Yeah, we're am, scrolling uh, Housewives eating. I am mostly. very deep into TikTok. Exactly. <laughs> Same. I'm like, it's been four hours. Get off your phone. <laughs> Where am I? Exactly. Uh, so but our final question that we ask all guests, if you could smoke a joint with anyone in history, dead or alive, who would it be? History, pop culture, your yeah. life. Oh my gosh. Okay, for me, it would probably have to be the artist Robert Rauschenberg. I, it's a weird answer probably, but- No, we love I'm, it. I, I know you're, yeah, I don't a, know. He's a visual artist, he's dead now. He's a queer man. Um, who made uh, art in the 60s through 2000s when he died oh, cool. um, uh, in in New York and then later down in Florida. But it was like the first, I'm, I'm really, we didn't even talk about it, but I'm really into art, really into uh, visual art, worked in. That makes sense the for the brand. The it's just world. so artistic. Yeah. And um, he was the person that like got me into art. It was the first museum show I saw where I was like, what? And then ever since then, I've like worked with museums and worked in museums and galleries and stuff like that and always been really into it. And he's the first one and I've, you know, continue to just learn more and more about him and his work and his career and his influence. And uh, I would uh, love to love to smoke a joint with him. Oh, that's a great be The most interesting yeah. conversation. You guys can make something. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that is and a great I answer. I almost met him once. My dad's a lawyer and my dad took a case just because he was going to have to depose him. <gasps> and he, he took this case. For you? For free. Yeah, because he oh, was that's like, so, he's that like, is love. Like, that is love. That's and so then, sweet. And then right, I, I, I had plane tickets down and everything <gasps> to go. And then uh, to go meet him, and then uh, he died. Oh no! Oh, God, that's that's heartbreaking. Hey, in another so, life, yes, catch him in, in another life. life. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much oh. for joining us. This thank was you so such much. a treat. I think our listeners are going to absolutely love. Oh, this. I know they it's are. It's something we've never even talked about before on the podcast, and you know, we love to be educated about the history yes. and the queer history of it all. Yes, I'm so appreciative so of it. I'm appreciative of you guys creating, uh, you know, like offering this platform to at least share with people, especially like during Pride Month. About you know one about the plant and continuing to destigmatize that and make it something that we do just talk about. Of course, um, and also about the you know the intersection with the uh, with queerness and and all that. So thank you for doing that. Oh, thank of course, you. we're honored. And where can people find you yes. guys? Oh my gosh. Okay, so in uh, in California. If you're down in Southern California, we are available at MedMen's, Sweet Flowers, Northern California, Apothecariums, statewide delivery via our website, truemartin.co. And in New York, we are available in the city at Housing Works, Union Square Travel Agency, and Gotham. And statewide for scheduled delivery via Legacy Dispensers, which is based in Albany. Wow. 
gorgeous. gorgeous. <laughs> and soon to be across the country, and we hope. Be- yes, we are manifesting it. Fingers crossed. Right Fingers now. Crossed. And yep. we will link your socials and everything. Fantastic. So everyone go get one of the most, gor- the most. The most gorgeous joint. Gorgeous joint you'll ever smoke. We are smoking them every day, all That's day. That's right. And thank us later. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you.